Good morning. So a couple months ago, I got to tag along with the esteemed Dr. Gerald Jerkins on a medical mission trip to Guatemala. And it was a pretty incredible experience, but the group that we went with had one rule, just, just one rule. They said, do not eat or drink anything here that we don't give you. Okay, Just one rule. So they, they begin to tell us these horror stories about this little germ called Giardia. And, and the carnage it causes inside your body and the carnage it causes as it moves outside your body, if you know what I'm saying. So we all raise our right hands, stand in a line, and, and, and swear, I, I will not eat or drink anything that you don't give me. But the very next day, don't, don't you love a story? With, but the very next day. But the very next day, I go on this mobile medical clinic out to this, this small little town outside the compound. And I'm following a local preacher who prays with everybody after they see the doctor. And it, I think it's obvious to everyone there that I am way out of my element in terms of, of language and culture and comfort. But from context clues, I can figure out when to bow my head. So I do. So this older woman, probably in her late 70s, she limps over to us after seeing the doctor for prayer. And she sits down with us, and we begin to pray over her. We put our hands on her shoulder. And in Guatemala, while you pray, they whisper their own prayers. So she's whispering this prayer while we pray over her. And when we finish, she looks up, and she's got tears rolling down her eyes. And she looks at me, and so I just offer her this cheesy, insecure grin because I don't know what to say or do. She knows I'm uncomfortable. So she reaches into her little string purse, and she takes out two apples, okay, which for her are a significant amount. And she sets down one, she takes that other apple, and she wipes it off, and she hands it to me. And I try to resist, but she insists. And at that moment, I forget about the one rule. Uh-huh. And I feel safe for the first time in the trip. I mean, really safe and welcomed. Like I'm, I'm taking the apple from my own grandmother's hand. And I take the apple, and the preacher tells me, well, there's a faucet over there if you want to wash it off. And so instinctively, <coughs> I go over to the faucet to wash it off. And it's when that water hits the apple that I remember, this is the very water in which those little bugs are swimming. <laughs> and so now I'm trying to figure out, how do I hide this apple and not actually eat it? But, but the woman comes up to me, and she takes my two hands, and she raises that apple to my mouth. And so I say, Gracias. And I take a big bite. And, and as I chew and swallow, I'm just thinking about those little swimmers making their way down into my gut. So um, I don't tell anybody about this when I get back. I just pray a little bit harder and make a resolution not to do it again. But the very next day, <laughs> we go on another mobile medical clinic and, we, and it's held in the home of this, this very modest, poor family, cinder block home. And there's, there's people lined out, 50 to 100 people lined up outside. And the whole clinic goes on all day long. And at the end of the clinic, the, the woman of the house invites me and the, the local doctor, okay, the Guatemalan doctor, back into her kitchen. I think we've got pictures of it. So this is just behind the kitchen. And then the next picture is, is the, the kitchen itself. So she invites me through that door. And then let's look inside the kitchen. Okay, so this is her kitchen, and she pulls up two little chairs at those tables right there, and she begins cooking us this chicken stew with parts of the chicken still hanging out of the pot there. And she's got this, and the next image is a, a cinder block oven, right? And she feeds the fuel for this cinder block oven are these shucked corn cobs 
So they take the corn cobs and chuck the corn off, and then that's how they fuel the fire. And she's pressing out these homemade tortillas on this. So, so I, I get back there, and she's preparing this feast for me. Okay, And so I, well, I eat some. I'm in the jungles of Guatemala. I'm the only one in the house who doesn't speak Spanish. I look different. I can't understand what the little kids are saying, but I keep hearing gringo, gringo. And I think that's about me. But I sit at her table, and I feel safe. And I feel welcomed, safe. Now, was it safe for my intestines? Probably not. So I come back and I tell Dr. Gerald, uh, I might have eaten a thing or two cooked over a corncob fire and soaked in Giardia water. And Eric, he says, there was just one rule. And he immediately puts me on medicine. I've been thinking about those stories a lot lately. They've kind of stuck with me. And when we went to China a few weeks ago, it was the same. You know, people we didn't know at all going out of their way, making these great sacrifices to make us feel at home and make us feel safe, make us feel like we belonged, even on the other side of the world. So he, Jesus, said, therefore, what's the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? Well, it's like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. I've got a friend who thinks the least followed command in the Bible comes straight from the lips of Jesus. He says it's consider the birds, which Jesus says just a chapter before this in Luke 12. Consider the birds. But I I don't know if my friend's right. I think that might be the first command that we follow. And from the time we're little, we think about birds. We see them flying through the air. We we climb up into a tree to peer into a nest, or we find a nest that's fallen to the ground and crumbled. We think about them. Might be the most vulnerable thing a bird ever does, build a nest that wind could blow out of a tree or a cat could reach. So the bird bounces around from limb to limb, checking them out. She tests each limb with her body weight. Does it sag? Does it, does it sway too much? Can a cat? Can a cat climb this tree? And finally, she finds the one. She feels pretty good, but, but no limb's perfect. So she begins to build her nest. She goes and she re- retrieves these twigs, and she begins to weave it together there in the limbs. And she lays her eggs, and she hopes that, that she made the right choice, that this limb on this tree is safe. I don't know if, if birds really think about it that much, but I'm just doing what Jesus said, and I'm like, I'm, I'm considering them. Lindsay and I do like to watch the birds. For our anniversary last year, I built Lindsay a bird feeder. You know, Gentry Romance 101. You, di- you didn't know you were coming for a lesson in romance, but you know, I, I can build a bird feeder here and there. So I built her this bird feeder, and I put it in the backyard, and we watch the birds, we drink our coffee in the morning and, and enjoy it. And then the exterminator came and he saw that bird feeder and said, that bird feeder right there, that's a surefire way to get roof rats. You get a roof rat infestation, we'll have to come and do a defestation. And I, I don't know what's included in a defestation or whether that's even a word, but I didn't want any part in it. So we emptied the feeder for the winter, but the birds are coming back now and we've got a cardinal out there sometimes and a blue jay and, and I kind of hope they might stick around a while make our trees home. He said, therefore, what's the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? Well, it's like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. It's the whole mustard seed thing that throws us off. Because when Jesus says mustard seed, we think about the other thing that 
Jesus said about mustard seeds. But if your faith is as big as a mustard seed, which is really small, tiny, tiny faith, like the size of a period at the end of a sentence, if you've just got that much faith, you can do incredible things like moving mountains, really big things. But Jesus isn't talking about mountains here. He's talking about a seed, and a seed that does grow into something bigger, a tree. But there's that bit about the birds nesting there. And he says that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a seed that grows into this tree where birds want to build their nests. Well, what's he talking about? We want to figure it out. And so we look back up at verse 10, which is the story just before this. It's a story about Jesus. And we find him in the synagogue. He's teaching. And verse 11, just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. A few weeks ago, a few of us were nearing the end of our two weeks in China, our mission trip over there. And by this point, we were actually in Singapore. And at the end of two weeks, we were we were really tired. I basically used up all my people energy. But this, this one really nice family in Singapore invites the whole group over to their home for dinner that night. And it's on the opposite side of town. So we jump in two cabs and we make our way over there. It's this wonderful dinner. And, and afterwards, though, the host says, instead of getting a cab, why don't four of you just pile into the back of my Mazda Coupe? Okay, this, this tiny little Mazda Coupe. So remember at this point we've been together for two weeks, okay? And it's not that we're tired of each other. It's just that two weeks is long enough you start to know how people smell, you know? And, and I don't really want to know how anybody smells, but Lindsay, and I don't even like how I smell. But we cram into the back of this coupe. It's Luana and Ron and Chris and then me, okay? And then there's Sam Liao, all alone and comfortable in the front passenger seat. And to close the door, I have to turn my back and put my shoulder behind Chris's shoulder. So I'm sitting at an angle. Just, just do that in your seat for a second. Just, just turn your back. It's, it's really not that bad. But our trip was an hour long. Okay? And 30 minutes into this trip, I'm just dying. And I'm like, Sam, please turn down the air conditioner. He's like, oh, you're warm back there? I'm pretty comfortable up here. You know, I think he even reclined his seat at one point and... If I could have freed my right arm, I would have reached forward and strangled him. So we get out at our hotel an, an hour later, and I, I stand up, and it's like I can't stand straight. You know, it's like my back is permanently, permanently bent. So the woman who appears on the scene here is permanently bent. She's twisted. She's been that way for 18 years. Can you imagine that? 18 years like that? Think about her condition for a second, okay? She's bent in half, the text says. So when she stands up straight, as straight as she can, she's only waist high. You know, she's the kind of person that in a crowd you couldn't see her. Okay, by nature of her condition, she's always overlooked. I think that's significant here. She does, she's alone, too. She doesn't have any friends who are delivering her through the rooftop like we find in other Jesus stories. She's all alone, and she's unseeable, but she just appears. She's like a bird, right, bouncing from limb to limb, place to place, hoping that she's finally found that safe place for 18 years. She hasn't found it. But notice when Jesus saw her, he called her over. 
don't rush by those words. If you're looking in your Bible, don't, don't read ahead here thinking that this is just a transition to Jesus saying or doing something that's actually really important. Now, this might be the most important thing Jesus does here. He sees the woman that no one else sees. And he calls her over. He makes her feel safe and welcomed. So when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, Woman, you're set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. Wouldn't you? Not a care in the world anymore. She's been seen by Jesus, received by Jesus, and now even restored by Jesus. Finally, a safe place. No more pain. Some place that she might like to stay and rest a while. But there's always a religious leader. Always a religious leader. Religious people don't always figure really well in the Jesus stories, but I like to be a little more generous to them because I'm a religious leader and you all are kind of religious. So they're watching in the synagogue. They're probably impressed by what Jesus has just done, but well, but the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured. Not on the Sabbath day. He sounds like an honorary old fellow, right, who's, who's grouchy and generally just mad at the world. But maybe not. You know, I try to be a little more generous to these people, remember? Maybe he's just trying to follow the rules. He's thinking about, Deuteronomy. Maybe, maybe he's kind of a good old boy. But, but you know, lady, we got, we got protocol. And, and my office hours are 8 to 5. And I like to spend my weekends with my family and even my church family. I'm a really good guy. You know, there is a time for healing. In fact, here's the application right here. We tend to do those on the first and third Mondays of each month. This just really isn't a good time. Why don't you come back then? But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, shouldn't she be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when he said this, all of his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. Everyone's rejoicing. Why? Well, Jesus says, I'll tell you why. They just saw a bit of the kingdom of God in me, and you saw it too. And so we ask the very next verse, wait, well, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what should I compare it? Well, like you just saw, it's like a mustard seed that's grown into a tree in the garden, and the birds of the air make nests in its branches, like this woman. Okay, suddenly we get it. When we put the story side by side with the parable explaining it, we understand what the parable is about. You know, Jesus has become this tree where everybody, even this woman bent in half, feels safe to come and land. He's the kind of person who receives people as they come to him. He puts people over programs, we might say, even really good programs like Sabbath, even good schedules like keeping the Sabbath. He puts people over those things. He's got this openness about him, this open-door policy, and that openness is the kingdom of God in him. For Jesus, at least here, kingdom work is as simple as hospitality, like the kind I received in Guatemala and China when I thought I was the one delivering the kingdom, right? Jesus says kingdom work is just like that. You know, kingdom work is you becoming more 
hospitable, like a seed that's growing into a tree where birds want to come and build their nest. You, you don't have to be that tree already, but you need to be growing into that tree. Now, Jesus is saying the measure of the kingdom of God in your life is whether you see and receive people who need to be seen and received. Do people look at you and think, that's a safe place to land? Do I open my heart and my home and my schedule to those people? Do they want to build their nests with me? So I think all of us are in different stages of growth, the kind of growth Jesus is talking about here, hospitality. When it comes to hospitality, some of us are seeds and some of us are are seedlings, and some of us are trees that are already filling up with birds. And you know who those people are. I'm thinking about those people in this church, and you're probably thinking about the same people, right? You know, they're the people who you've set around their dinner table. They've had you into their home. They're the kind of people you call when you're a bind or when you need somebody to watch your one-year-old who thinks that "Uh uh-oh is an appropriate response when you do it on purpose. It's not, by the way. Yeah. When you're just desperate, these are the people you call. You know who I think models this kind of hospitality? The women who put on the baby in wedding showers, right? Like, that's not a really celebrated group, but those are exactly the kind of people that Jesus says make up the kingdom of God. You know, it's, it's Sunday afternoon, and, and everybody wants a nap on Sunday afternoon. I mean, if you're not taking your nap now, you're thinking about the nap you're going to take this afternoon, right? <laughs> everybody wants that nap. And these women are tired, They're tired like the rest of us, but as soon as these services are over, they start wheeling out cakes and punch bowls, and they're hanging these streamers and garlands, and there's some little girl coming who's terrified to death about all the changes coming in her life, and she doesn't know anybody at church. She's not sure if anybody's going to be there for a shower, and she walks into this beautiful shower with 10 women who are hugging her neck and filling her arms with presents, and for an afternoon, that woman gets to be a princess, and you can imagine she wants to stay there forever. Right, build a nest in the arms of those smiling women. He said, therefore, what's the kingdom of God like, and what should I compare it? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So I think there are two questions I want you to ask yourself that, that I think this parable raises for us. There are probably more than two, but, but I think at least two. The first and most critical is to ask yourself, am I growing into the kind of tree where birds want to land and build their nests? And by that, what I think Jesus means is, am I the kind of person who extends hospitality and security to anybody who comes my way whenever they come? I've told you before about a professor I had who had this open door policy. He, he actually faced his desk towards his always open door, and whoever came to that door, whether it was the dean of the college or a freshman Bible student, he would stop what he was doing, leave his desk, and ask him to sit down with him as two chairs in the room, and he'd receive him. Okay, because he felt like whoever that person was, their need to be seen and received and welcomed and made to feel safe was more important than any program he was working on. You know, people over programs. So what we've done is design these stickers. Kevin, our graphics guy, designed this. So you, you should have one in your seat. All right. And the reason that we did this is we wanted a reminder for you to take and put somewhere that when you saw it, you would be reminded to be hospitable, right? To be the kind of tree where birds want to come and build their nests. That's what 
the image is about, and you see it behind me. So maybe what you'll do is put this, like Lindsay and I did, right by your front door. So right to the side of our front door now, we've got this sticker there now. And so every time we see it, the hope is that when some, we go to answer that door that somebody's knocking on, we'll be reminded that we want to receive them like a tree where they'd be made to feel safe and secure. And, and I've also got one in my office, too, by the door as well. So, so maybe you'll put it someplace where when you see it, you'll be reminded to receive people. Maybe you'll put it on your dashboard. I know some of us could use that driving around in Memphis. And maybe you'll put it on your coffee mug, maybe on your Highland Tumblr. Special deal on Highland Tumblrs right now, actually, $15. Maybe you'll put it on there, okay? Someplace that when you see it, you'll be reminded to receive people as you interact with them. And then secondly, and uh, also a very important question, I think you need to ask yourself, what am I doing to make Highland, my church family, this kind of place or this kind of tree where people feel safe to come and land? And I think next week is a really perfect time to practice your answer for that. We'll probably have 200 or more visitors here next week for Easter Sunday coming to hear the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, the greatest story ever told. Probably 200 people will be in this building for that moment. So what if just think about this for a second. What if every one of those people came and was met next week by somebody who shook their hand, introduced themselves, said, hey, why don't you just come sit with me? You know, somebody who took them to, to Bible class in one of our, our, our new Bible classrooms. Somebody who said, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Why don't, why don't you come with me? What if every single person next week, not a single one of them left without thinking, you know those folks at Highland, they're not so bad. I might want to stick around a while. It'd be a special thing. So what is the kingdom of God like, and to what should I compare it? It's like a mustard seed that someone took, sowed in the garden. It grew and it became a tree, and the birds of the air made nest in its branches. May it be so in your life, and may it be so for this church. Let's stand and worship together. I'll be at the back. Actually, I'll be at the front for a few moments, and then at the back we'll have shepherds in the back as well. If you'd like to be seen and received and welcomed, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus today, I'd love to receive you. Let's sing together. Jesus.